0: Man, it is an honor to stand in this pulpit tonight. We miss Pastor. We give him honor. He will be preaching in about three hours. I'm not gonna preach until he starts. I promise you that. It is it is good to be part of Anderson. You guys are an incredible church. I said this the last time I preached, talking about when I accepted a job in Muncie and was looking at coming to this area, that there really wasn't much question on where we would go to church, and um, <clears throat> since I've been here, it's just been confirmed over and over and over and over again how great that this church really is i know that great churches are not accident great churches have great foundations great churches are built on great teaching from great men Bishop Bingham, I love you. I appreciate you. Fifty-plus years, this family's been in Anderson. And um, I give honor to Bishop Bingham, honor to Bishop St. Clair, who is not here um, yet. He said they may slip in before it's over. I don't know he had Place he had to be today after Wabash. And then to Pastor St. Clair. Uh, give these men of God honor I love and respect them and um, what God does in Anderson he does not do everywhere now he may do it elsewhere but he doesn't do it everywhere and you are blessed this is by name a Pentecostal church. But I've been around long enough to know that this is by action an apostolic church. And today is the day of Pentecost. Brother Stephen, thank you for the word of the Lord this morning. Hallelujah. Amen. Brother Jordan, great job in Sunday school this morning on prayer. I'm already in trouble because Sister Miller's here and I've got you standing. Hallelujah. Acts chapter number 2, if you can believe that. In verse number 1, I'm glad Sister Miller and Tyra are with me this weekend. We are only just a couple or so weeks away from them being here all the time. And I'm excited about that. Amen. uh, You have opened your arms and accepted me. And I know that when my family's here all the time, you'll do the same for them. And I do, I feel like family. But see, now, you and I are kindred spirits because we're both southern boys. We'll stop it right there because give us 12 more weeks and we'll be on the opposite sides, but it'll be all right. Some of you know what that's about. Some of you don't. Acts chapter number 2, verse number 1. And when the day of Pentecost was fully come, they were all with one accord in one place. And suddenly there came a sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind, and it filled all the house where they were sitting. And there appeared unto them coven tongues like as of fire." and it set upon each of them and they were all filled with the holy ghost and began to speak with other tongues as the spirit gave them utterance i believe that verse 4 we would do no damage to the scripture to say they were all filled with the holy ghost and they all began to speak With other tongues. Can I tell you that when the Holy Ghost comes, it still comes in 2019 with the sign and the evidence of other tongues? Now, there may be many things that are identified as fruit of the Spirit, but there's one evidence. One evidence, and that is speaking with other tongues. Let me tell you, if you don't have the Holy Ghost tonight, I pray, I prayed this in the prayer room, and I've prayed this prior to getting here. If you don't have the Holy Ghost tonight, it is my prayer that before you walk out of this place, God will fill you with the baptism of the Holy Ghost. Hallelujah. Verse number one, and when the day of Pentecost was fully come. Thank you, Brother Stephen, for the history lesson this morning. I'm gonna have, I'll be able to skip a whole lot of stuff. Would you lay your Bible down, lift your hands to the Lord. Father, I thank you for your spirit we feel in this place. I thank you for what you're going to do. I pray, God, that you would help me tonight, that I would just speak what it is that you would say. Father, I just want to be the mouthpiece of heaven in this house. I pray, oh God, that the anointing of the Holy Ghost would rest upon me. That, God, that you would take over and that you would speak, God, and that we would hear from you. I pray, oh God, if there's one in our midst tonight that's never received the Holy Ghost, I pray that you would fill them with your Spirit. Those that may be in our midst tonight, God, that it's been a long time since that fire burned inside of them. I pray that you would renew, that you would refill, that you would rekindle that inside of them tonight. We praise you and we thank you in Jesus' name. Somebody clap your hands to the Lord. Let's give him praise in this house. Hallelujah. You'll help me tonight. You may be seated. Hallelujah I come to this pulpit tonight. My wife notices I went to leave the apartment and question a particular Bible that I picked up to bring to the pulpit with me tonight. It is one that a particular one I don't read a lot, partly due to the age of it and the condition of The cover that has been bought and put on it that I'll probably never replace. It's the Bible of a man who brought truth to my family. It's the Bible of the man that as a young child, I remember him going to the pulpit three times a week. And it seemed like, Bishop, that it didn't matter where he started. Anywhere between Genesis and Revelation, it didn't matter if he's teaching on Sunday morning, preaching on Sunday night, or doing what he called treaching, which is kind of a mixture of teaching and preaching on Wednesday night. Somehow, we ended up every service With Deuteronomy chapter 6 and verse 4 and Acts chapter 2 and verse 38. It just seemed to fit everything that he preached. Some, and and I have determined in 26, I believe it is, years of preaching that I would never get to the place where Acts chapter 2 was just another message. I never want to lose what the elders before me held so dear and so precious. I never want to get to the place where when somebody says, I'm going to preach from Acts chapter 2, that I just close my iPad that I use to read Scripture on in church, lay it on the pew beside me and say, I've heard this before. I wish he'd find something else to talk about, because there's a whole lot more in the Bible than Acts chapter 2. I agree there is a whole lot more in the Bible than Acts chapter 2. But Acts chapter 2 is the benchmark that I measure everything else from. I'm going to preach in a moment. Just stay with me. I know I don't look like it, but I used to work for a living. I know what it is to roof and build houses. I know what it is to pull up on a job site and there isn't a sign of a house. And you've got to find that corner pin. Because you've got to measure from there to know how far you are to be from the road to start the foundation. Because the blueprint doesn't just tell you what the house will look like. It also tells you where the house will be located on the property. And you measure everything off of that corner marker of the property. And if you deviate one inch from it, You may build a nice house. It may look good. And it may, when you're building a house, still serve every purpose that you intended for it to serve. But it is not exactly like the blueprint called for. Now I've been raised in this and I've heard a whole lot of stuff. I've heard them say, Me and Jesus got our own thing going. You young people ain't never heard that song. God bless you. Look it up on YouTube if you can find it. We don't need anybody to tell us what it's all about. They got a modern day version of that song that I don't like either. It said, Long as I got King Jesus, I don't need nobody else. Well, what's wrong with that? Well, she went on to say, I don't need a preacher if without a preacher you ain't going to be saved i, I and I, i've heard that I'm going to preach in a moment i heard this one too i'm using my bible for a road map i have a problem with that one because this ain't a road map Because, you see, when I traveled prior to the days of GPS, either on your dash or on your phone, my wife was the navigator, and we bought roadmaps. And sometimes I'd miss my turn. So she'd pull out the road map, Brother Wendell, and she'd say, Well, let's see, we're right here. You're going up the interstate, and you'll take this exit and go this direction. We'll get back on the right track. And we would still arrive there. Though we may not go the best route, and though we may not go the most direct route, and though we may not go the way everybody else would go, the roadmap would always give me an alternate route. Let me tell you, my Bible is not a roadmap. Because it's not look in here and find your way and I'll find mine. But my Bible is a blueprint. And if I'm going to hear him say, well done, then, Bishop, i got to build by the blueprint. i got to do what the blueprint said. I've got to build it exactly like he said. I can't change one thing. I didn't write the book. I can't edit the book. I can't look and say I don't like that, but I like this. I must have the blueprint. Acts chapter 2 never gets old. I never get tired of hearing it. I never get tired of reading it. I never get tired of preaching it. I never get tired of talking about it. I never get tired of reading it. I never get tired of sharing it. Why? Because it is the Acts chapter 2 message that will change your life if you're addicted to drugs. It is this message that will set you free if you're bound by alcohol. It is this message that will deliver you. Uh, the message will change your life it's more than the start of a movement it's more than the doctrine of an organization I wouldn't be in an organization that didn't have it as its doctrine but it ain't my doctrine because of the organization Acts chapter 2 is the birth of the church. It's where our roots go. Just in case you're not aware of it, my roots are not at Azusa Street or Topeka, Kansas. My roots are not in a merger of like-minded men and organizations to form one. I thank God for those things that have happened in the American church that have empowered us with means and men and money to propagate the gospel. They're a great vehicle and a tool in which to use, but they are not my roots. My roots go back farther than when men of God stood up In a Trinitarian meeting and walked out over the new issue and said, It's important enough to part ways with family and companies because our roots go all the way to Acts chapter 2. We are not Pentecostal because we believe in speaking in tongues, because there is more to being Pentecostal than just speaking in tongues. We are not apostolic. Just because we believe in the oneness of the Godhead. Because there's more to be an apostolic than be in oneness. You must preach what the apostles preached if you're going to be apostolic. Apostolic people preach more than Acts chapter 2 and Deuteronomy 6 and 4. But the apostolic church may preach those things. But there's a little more to it that being truly Pentecostal or apostolic. For an apostolic church will preach there's one God. It'll preach repentance. It'll preach baptism in Jesus' name. It'll preach the invalid of the Holy Ghost. But it it'll preach healing, it'll preach miracles, it'll preach prayer, it'll preach holiness. That is what an apostolic church is. I'm glad to be part of a genuine apostolic Pentecostal church today. The day of Pentecost is just the day it all got started. See, this morning we heard if you were in church this morning, if not you can watch the video online. It's worth watching. But we heard from Brother Stephen, Pentecost means 50th. It's the 50th day after Passover. It's been observed since the early days in the wilderness. I believe the law, the Ten Commandments was given. At Pentecost. Even today, Jews celebrate the Feast of Weeks. It's a celebration. As we heard this morning of the deliverance, God bringing them out of their bondage. There's a correspondence between the giving of the law, which is celebrated by the feast of Pentecost, together with all with the crucifixion of our Lord that took place at Passover and that outpouring of the Holy Ghost that happened. Because you see, at the first Passover, the Israelites were delivered from Egyptian bondage. They had been in Egypt for about 400 years. They're tired of being there, and they have decided we want out of here, and the only way out of here is through God. So they begin to call upon God. They begin to talk to God, and God went and found Moses. Even though Moses was living in a wilderness, running from his call and his destiny, God knew where to find. And God got there and said, Moses, I've heard the cry of my people. You are going to go back and you're going to look at Pharaoh and you're going to tell him, I said, let my people people go. He goes through all kind of excuses why he can't and God God knocks every one of them down to the ground and lets you know there isn't an excuse you can use on God to get out of doing what God ultimately called you to do. And so he walks back and he looks at Pharaoh and he said God said to tell you let my people go. Well Pharaoh, he's not real impressed. He thinks he's God made flesh anyway and he there's multiple gods they worship and he said really? What God told you that? He said I'll tell you the God that told me that. The self-existent God, the I am that I am, the one who existed before time, the one, my friend, who doesn't need anything else uh, to give him power, the God, the maker of heaven and earth. (laughs) Won't go through it, but God destroyed the religious system with the plagues. Down to the last one. When he said, you're going to put blood on the door, two sides and the top, and I will pass through, and when I see the blood, I will pass, I will pass over you, Uh, and I believe whether it was Egyptian or Hebrew, if they put blood on the door, God passed over and said, There's a bloodline, and death can't cross it. And by morning, here come the Israelites walking out of their 400 year bondage. Can I tell you that first Passover? they were delivered from a bondage they couldn't shake themselves free from. Can I tell you about all of us in this house, it doesn't matter how good you think you are, adjust your halo honey, because we were all born in sin and shaping in iniquity. We were all born sinners. None of us were born righteous. Never has one except Jesus Christ been born that didn't need that delivering power of that name to set them free. But can I tell you, if you are in sin today, that you can have to deliverance. You can have your exodus. You can have a Passover in your life. You can find freedom and victory today. It doesn't matter, my friend, what you've been bondage to. It doesn't matter what sin has done to your life. It doesn't matter what hell has done to you. It doesn't matter what's got a hold of you. There is not a bondage. Huh? There is not a chain. Huh? There is not a sin. There is not an issue that you're not able to be set free from today. Uh, you come out of Egypt. Passover, Jesus Christ was typified by the Passover lamb, It was sacrificed for sin of the world. By this sacrifice, redemption from sin is now available to whosoever will. It's more than just a song. It's an absolute truth. Jesus paid it all. And all to him I owe. Sin had left a crimson stain, but he washed it white as snow. You know what Revelation 13 and 8 said? He was the lamb slain from the foundation of the world. Uh, Hear me, he's my eternal sacrifice. Hear me, he is my atonement. Uh, He died so I could live. Uh, I said he died uh, so I could live. Uh, I should have died. I should have already been dead. But he died in my place. I did not deserve it. I still do not deserve it. I have no claim to it by my own righteousness or my own goodness, but it is by his mercy. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. By his mercy. Ephesians 1:7, Colossians 1:14 said, I've got redemption and forgiveness through his blood. Because of his blood. I am no longer what I was. Uh, I'm no longer bound. I'm no longer captive to the past. I'm no longer held in chains of sin, but I am free. I am redeemed. On Pentecost, God gave his law on Mount Sinai, accompanied with thunderings and lightnings, and Moses is up there getting the law, and God's writing the law on two tables of stone. Israel's looking up on top of the mountain and they said if he's up there among all that lightning thunder he's crispy critter he ain't coming back there's no way he ever could have survived that Aaron we need a little help what do you need we need a God you need a God yeah we need a God will you make us one so he makes them a golden calf they dance around it and proclaim that this is what brought them out of Egypt how soon we are to replace God in our life when things that are going on just don't align with what we think they ought to be Moses comes down. He's the first man in all history to break all Ten Commandments at one time. He had to go back. They were so important. God didn't say, pick that up and glue that back together so they can see what I said. No, no. God said, these are so important. You're coming back. Took him back. on that first Pentecost giving of the law see a few thousand years later on a day we're celebrating the day that happened 1,000 and something years ago you gave us a number this morning I've got a short memory on the day of Pentecost God sent down the Holy Ghost like a rushing mighty wind tongues of fire set upon each of them the law was not being replaced. When somebody tells you that God. Done away with the law. That's all you need to hear them say. Close your Bible. Walk off. They're a false prophet. Rather. As we heard this morning. Glad he left me a little bit. The law was not being done away with, the law was being written on their heart. See, the giving of the law and sending down the Holy Ghost with all these symbols of light, life, and power, and it's been exactly preserved and celebrated by devout Jews, maybe through history. But the last Passover prior to the day of Pentecost, Christ was degraded and put to death. But at that following festival, the day of Pentecost, he was highly glorified when his spirit filled an upper room and filled 120, including, in case you forgot, Mary, the mother of Jesus. Honey, if she had to have it, you ain't getting out of here without it. Galatians 3:24 said the law was our schoolmaster to bring us unto Christ, that we might be justified by faith. All that we read in the Old Testament was our tutor. It was, our, it was what taught us and made us ready for the coming of Christ to this earth. For without the Old Testament, without the Old Testament, we would have never received the new. See, we had to have the law with all its ordinances and statutes and judgments. Those are the things that pointed forward to the day that a Savior would be born. And Jesus fulfilled the law. He didn't do away with the law. He didn't remove the law. He fulfilled the law. But you see, the law had some requirements that no sacrifice ever truly met. They they did their, the best they could, but they never satisfied the sin problem between them and God. At best, uh, they just they, they did the best they could and they did what God had told them to do. But Jesus fulfilled the feast uh, which Israel celebrated. All of their feasts, all of their tradition, all of their laws from Moses uh, were things that only Jesus could satisfy completely. That's why Hebrews chapter 10 and verse number 4, for it is not possible that the blood uh, of bulls uh, and of goats uh, should take away sin. Wherefore when he cometh into the world, he says sacrifice and offering thou wouldest not, but a body thou hast prepared me in burnt offerings and sacrifice for sin. Thou hast had no pleasure," he said. "Not the blood of bulls and goats. He couldn't take away sin, but the blood of Jesus. The blood of Jesus hasn't found a sin yet. It can't take away. Amen. I'm not trusting in the blood of an animal, but I'm trusting in nothing but the blood." of Jesus but you see in the Old Testament they had to wait till a certain day to celebrate Pentecost oh they may talk about it through the year they may talk about you know six months from now four months from now whatever they may talk about Pentecost is coming we have a celebration coming up. We're going we're to celebrate what God done. We're going to celebrate God bringing us out of Egypt. But they had to wait for a certain time to celebrate Pentecost. But in our text, it said, And when the day of Pentecost was fully come. On Sinai, when God's given the law. Moses sees the law being written on two tables of stone. But God sees an upper room. Israel sees thunderings and lightnings on top of a mountain. But God sees cloven tongues like as a fire. Israel! began to celebrate he brought me out of Egypt but I believe on every celebration that there was an expectancy in God that said I'm waiting for the right day I'm waiting for the right time Uh, I'm waiting for the right celebration of this day and it's going to be unlike one you've ever heard uh, unlike one you've ever seen uh, because I'm going to come and I'm going to take up residence uh, on the inside of 120 people and I'm going to change the world by their word Uh, everything needed needed to carry out the actual celebration God had in mind from way back then was complete and this was that day no longer would they have to wait until a certain time of the year but rather every day See, we're celebrating that day today. But let me tell you, Wednesday night's coming. Bring somebody with you Wednesday night that needs a Holy Ghost. And on Wednesday night, they can have a personal day of Pentecost on a Wednesday night. Because every day can be a day of Pentecost for somebody. We don't have to wait till a certain time of year. This is not something that we only do 50 days after Passover. You don't have to wait for a special weekend. But Pentecost is here right now. You can have a personal Pentecost today. Whosoever will, let him come. Whosoever will, let him receive. Whosoever will, let him drink of the water of life freely. Acts 2 and 39 for the promise. What promise? The promise of everything he just preached. Is for you. And for your children. And to all that are afar off. Even as many. As who'd make their way to a Sunday night service. In Anderson, Indiana. On this June. You can have Pentecost in your life. this is what the prophets foretold this is what Joel 2 and 28 was talking about and it shall come to pass afterwards saith God and I will pour out my spirit upon all flesh your sons and daughters shall prophesy your old men shall dream dreams your young men shall see visions and upon the servants and upon the handmaids in those days will I pour out my spirit hear me my friend after they received the Holy Ghost and the crowd gathered outside and they said What is in the world is going on at nine o'clock in the morning up there. Yeah. Half drunk, maybe totally drunk, unable to really stand up, stoned. Can't, anybody ever been that way in the Holy Ghost? You forget where you are, you forget what's going on around you, you just get drunk in Him. Peter kind of staggered around. And Peter standing up with the 11. Acts 2 and 14 lifted up his voice and said, Ye men of Judea, and all ye that dwell in Jerusalem, be this known unto you and hearken to my words. For these are not drunk the way you think they are seeing it's only about 9 o'clock in the morning but I'll tell you what this is this is that that was spoken by the prophet Joel in the last days, it shall come to pass, in the last days, saith God, I will pour out my spirit upon all flesh. And your sons and your daughters shall prophesy, and your young men shall see visions, old men shall dream dreams. And on my servants and on my handmaids, it will, I, I will pour out in those days of my spirit, and they shall prophesy. And I tell you, we have received that. What Joel said would come happened on the day of Pentecost, but it's still being poured out today. It's more than a religious experience. It's more than turning over a new leaf. It's more the tradition of a group. It is Pentecost. At Pentecost, God's spirit will fill your soul. At Pentecost, your desires will change. Uh, at Pentecost, lives will be transformed. At Pentecost, addictions will be broken. At Pentecost, my friend, habits are left behind. Uh, at Pentecost, 2 Corinthians 5, 17 says, If any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. Amen. Old things have passed away. All things have become new. That's a result of Pentecost. Plans for your life will change. Peace will reign in your life. Sin's bondage will be broken in your life. You'll speak in other tongues when you receive it. Oh, well. That's a New Testament concept. Y'all made that up somewhere around 1900. Well, let's look at Isaiah 28 and 11. Full with stammering lips. Isaiah never received it. Isaiah had no idea what he was talking about, really. He just knew what the Spirit was telling him. He said, with stammering lips and another tongue, will he speak unto this people? Isaiah, what are you talking about? I really don't know what's going to happen. Isaiah, when's that going to take place? I really don't know. But I know God said there's going to come a day when his people will speak uh, with stammering lips uh, and another tongue. Uh, Hear me, when the Holy Ghost comes, people still talk in tongues. And let me tell you, you don't have to seek tongues. Right. You don't have to try and make it happen. Right. That's right. I've preached places that get them. Come on. My God, can't nobody talk. you beating them under the chin. Come on. You ain't got to help the Holy Ghost talk. The Holy Ghost ain't a baby. You don't have to teach him how to talk. Help. Help the Holy Ghost has been talking... Since Genesis chapter 1, when he said, Let there be light. So, you ain't got to teach him how to talk. You ain't got to get him to say hallelujah till he gets tongue tied, or Jesus till he gets tongue tied. Trust me, when he shows up, he'll start talking. All you gotta do to get the Holy Ghost. Let me tell you how simple it is. Come on, come on. All you gotta do is repent. You ain't gotta. You ain't gotta say a certain prayer. Right. Right. You don't have to use a certain dialect. Right. You don't have to say God with three with three syllables. You don't have to say thee and thou and shout. You don't have to talk in King James English. God will hear your heart when you as a sinner says, I'm messed up. I know I'm not right. I know I can't do this on my own. I know I cannot change myself. So I'm going to bring myself and what I am. And as messed up and as sinful and as dirty as I am. And I'm going to lay it at your feet. And I'm going to tell you I'm giving you my life. I'm sorry for how much I messed up. But I want to be different. I want to live different. And I'm making up my mind with your help. If you'll repent of your sin right now in that pew, I'm telling you, God is ready to fill you with the Holy Ghost. It doesn't matter where you came from. It doesn't matter where you've been. It doesn't matter what sin is in your life. God will fill you. hear me tonight, it is real I said it is real there's been thousands millions, billions that have received it down through time it is real when the day of Pentecost was fully come they were all with one accord in one place and suddenly out of nowhere came a sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind and it filled the house prior to it filling the house it filled all the house where they were sitting and there appeared unto them cloven tongues like as a fire and set upon each of them and they were all filled with the Holy Ghost and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance since that time no one's had to wait for a certain time of year a certain month or a certain season in order to celebrate Pentecost it's now an everyday thing every head bowed every eye closed I don't know how many people here tonight who have never received the Holy Ghost I don't know how many young people we may have here tonight, children we may have here tonight, been raised on an apostolic pew, but you've never received the Holy Ghost. I'm going to tell you, God will fill you with the Holy Ghost tonight. I don't know how many adults we may have here tonight that's never been filled with the Holy Ghost, but I'm telling you, God will fill you with the Holy Ghost tonight. I don't know how many backsliders may be here tonight, and you need a renewing and a refreshing. God will renew you in the Holy Ghost tonight because this is Pentecost I tell you the Holy Ghost is here today for you to receive the fire will fall upon you you can have a personal Pentecost right now receiving the Holy Ghost and preaching, the crowd said this, What must we do? Peter said, Repent. It's 2 and 38, we know it. Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sin, and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost if you've never been baptized in jesus name you ought to get baptized tonight we've got we've got water we've got preachers we've got robes we've got towels everything that you need if you've never been baptized in his name you ought to get baptized tonight